Um, you guys have ski plans this winter? Actually, yes. When you guys, where are you guys going and when? We are doing New Year's in West Virginia. Okay. And then we're going to Colorado over spring break. And okay. we're going to Michigan, uh, I think, between the two. Somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, where in West Virginia? Um, snowshoe. Snowshoe. Yeah. Okay. Which the snowshoe the primary one, I think. Yeah. Um, have you been there before? Not since I was a teenager, so I don't remember it hardly okay. at all. Yeah. Um, I've not been. Uh, I know a few people have gone. I'm just curious. Do they have much snow right now? I I looked the other day, and their official, I think, open day was today. Oh, okay. So Probably making more. Correct. Yeah. yeah, they've been making snow. And then where are you going to Colorado? Um, we're going to Arapahoe Basin okay. and somewhere else. Okay. Kind of that, that area. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, hopefully there's plenty of snow. I know they've gotten a fair amount so far. Right. Hopefully that continues yeah. by spring break, that it's still powdery, not y- yeah. soup. Mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Nice. We don't have any plans at this point in time to, to ski, but uh, who knows? That could change tomorrow. It's the main Christmas present for the kids. Yeah. So we're excited about it. They've been, we didn't go at all last year. And so, okay. yeah, this is. And they love it. Yeah. Yeah, they do. So yeah. it's it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it in a big way. Just to get away, decompress. Yeah, take it out on the slopes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're you're a little more adventurous than I am. Uh, we've gone skiing that one time, and um, I think now I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I've made it this far without blowing any ACLs right. or anything else. Like, I just. And, not, and I don't do it often enough either, but like, so I don't, my confidence is a lot lower. It's like, you know, I'm just not going to push it. Like I, I don't need to, like it just, just cruise and yeah. enjoy it. And I'm good. Big wide turns. Yeah. And I've, I look forward to the Opera ski beer. You're right. Don't <laughs> blow an ACL. It's not fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I've never done that. So yeah. Yeah. Not skiing, but yeah, it's not fun. I'm sure. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Industrious Podcast. Thank you for joining us from wherever you're listening or if you're watching on the Assessa YouTube channel. Thank you for viewing with us today. Uh, good guest today, good friend of mine, Mr. Andrew McMullen from TSI Energy Solutions. Andrew, welcome to the Industrious Podcast. Thanks, Vince. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, why don't you give everyone a little background on who Andrew McMullen is, where you grew up, um, and we'll kind of go from there. Sounds good. Um, grew up not too far from here, so uh, actually in Noblesville, and um, yeah, lived there my whole life, um, all the way through high school and college. Um, met my wife in college and uh, at Ball State, and chirp chirp, yep, chirp chirp. And uh, after school, um, when we graduated, we wanted to move away, get the hell out of Indiana, mm-hmm. um, and we just wanted somewhere with mountains. And, uh, so we looked, my wife's a school teacher, so she had a lot of options and we actually ended up in Southern California, um, which was the bottom of both of our lists, but <laughs> we ended up having a great time there. We were there. Was that right out of ball state? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like right out of, and then 
maybe a dumb question, but like, were you looking for jobs while still at Ball State, or did you move without without a job yet and then start looking? No, so graduate. That's, that's the parent in me coming out. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> It was kind of wild. So we, we got married young. Um, so my wife, I, I did a victory lap in college. Uh, so my wife was out and teaching um, full time. And uh, when we graduated, we knew we wanted to move. So she put her feelers out. And at the same time, I did as well. Um, so she was the one that we kind of moved for the job. And then okay. once we knew where we were going, right. I started applying. And uh, What were you looking for at, at that time? So I graduated school, um, so my degree's in marketing, and then I have uh, um, advertising and marketing, and then I have a business minor. And um, so I, I honestly was just looking for a job at that point in time. Um, and uh, so, my wife took a job at a school in California mm -hmm. and we flew out there. We had three days to find a place to live and for me to find a job and, uh, flew out and we actually, my mom and dad and, um, Candace, my wife, her mom came with us. And so we were like the clampets, right? We had a minivan <laughs> and you know, they'd, I'd roll out of the minivan in a suit to go to interviews and they're like, good luck, son, you know? And, uh, and we actually found a place to live. Um, I got a job in two days so wow. the third day that's impressive yeah we went to san diego went to the zoo went to the beach and uh flew back home um packed uh I'm trying to remember i think we went on our honeymoon um got back packed all our stuff and moved out west wow. so yeah we were impressive. there five years um and then you know about year three and a half, you know, we started talking about having kids. Um, my wife's from Decatur, Indiana. So we're both, you know, born and raised here. We knew, we knew we wanted to move back when we were ready to have a family and, um, we're both really close with our families. And so, uh, we started looking and, um, my dad of all people actually offered me a job, um, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit because right. that's very <clears throat> unusual. Um, and, and long story short, I ended up accepting, um, and I moved moved back prior to um, Candace, and she finished out the school year, okay. um, and I started my my new role, and then moved back, and we've been here ever since. That was uh, about twelve years ago. Okay, so twelve years ago, you decided to join the family biz. Mm -hmm. um, was it a how when when, when you were approached with that by your dad? Was it a quick decision or was it like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> nepotism does not run in my family. Mm -hmm. So um, my grandfather, whom I was really close with, was a farmer. Um, my dad was the first in the family to go to college, you know, okay. but very entrepreneurial family. Um, mm -hmm. My grandfather, even though he was a farmer, he drove school bus for 38 years. He sold insurance. He was on the board for the insurance company that he sold for. Um, very gentleman farmer, you know, not a, uh, you know, dress nice, you know, like, um, very progressive in, you know, in the farming sense, he would have, you know, been considered probably almost organic by today's standards and okay. how he did things. Um, but he coupled that with kind of modern business practices and stuff. He, his father, my great grandfather, was a farmer. Um, my grandfather pushed them. They were an early adopter of tractors, so okay. they bought a tractor when a lot of people were still farming with um, 
horses. Right. So, so anyway, um, a little bit of a tangent, but I was raised by basically my whole family and my dad included to do my own thing and, um, never, never thought I'd work in the family business. I helped on and off in summers and through high school and college as, as they needed it. I mowed grass there long before I could drive, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, but never in my wildest dreams thought I'd work for the business. And, uh, we actually, um, my dad was heading to a conference in San Francisco and, uh, he called me and he's like, Hey, uh, your mom and I are going to be in San Fran. Why don't you and Candace come up and we'll go to Napa Valley for the weekend. And, uh, so we we're in Napa having a great time and we go to, my dad takes me to Denny's in Napa Valley and we're sitting there having breakfast and, uh, he offered me a job and I remember like pushing my chair back at the table and look at him and be like, what the hell dad? And like, where's this coming from? You know, like, and, uh, so anyway, he told me it was for a project management role at the time for, um, some work we were doing with the utility companies like Duke energy and citizens and IPL Mm -hmm. and some other stuff. And, uh, you know, sold me on it if you will. And so, you know, I chewed on it for, several weeks we had several conversations about it and um you know at the end of it i had a few stipulations but one of the main ones was i need to not be the succession plan and i need you to tell me that and uh he's like absolutely that's that's not my plan so um and as i sit here talking to you 12 years later as president of the company uh obviously that's not how it worked out well he had you at the grand slam right exactly yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, I obviously know the story, but, mm. um, tell me or tell the, tell our listeners about, um, what the company did you know, on that day when you joined, what was mm. the company doing? Uh, you guys have changed some branding and, and a whole lot of things. So yeah. maybe share with what, what things look like on day one. Yeah. Um, so this is our 42nd year in business as we sit here and talk right now. So, um, the company was founded, originally off the idea of using infrared cameras to look for deficiencies in buildings. Uh, Predominantly, um, out of the gate, it was on commercial buildings um, that morphed over time. And we've added a huge kind of suite of services that Mm -hmm. we do. So we focus on the building envelope of a building. So that's, you know, the terminology is basically you think of a building like a six-sided box. And we're, we pay attention to the details, how they connect, how they're going to work to keep air and water out of the building and your conditioned air inside. Mm-hmm. Um, that has shifted over time. Um, we've done projects over the years for utility companies um, where we're going into pre-existing houses and basically looking at them, making recommendations on how to make them perform better. Um, we don't do any of that anymore. And... Um, it served a purpose for us and it helped carry us through, you know, some tough times, 08, um, you know, prior to that. And, um, but it's not, it's not our core business. You know, we, we can be much more impactful, um, being a part of the process long before the building ever breaks ground. And so that's what we focus on now. We do still do some diagnostics and investigations on existing buildings, but our primary focus is on, um, residential, multifamily and commercial new construction. And we also, um, do water leak. So slab leak investigation. 
So TSI Energy Solutions, as it exists today, focuses on those three areas Correct. of development. Mm-hmm. And then of what would you say is the bulk of the services you're providing on those three areas? Yeah, so the interesting thing is and um, coming out of 08 and the housing crash and everything and things changing, um, residential is by far the biggest piece of our business. So residential new home construction here in the greater Indianapolis market represents um, about 80% of our business. Um, So it's a big piece. It's what a lot of my team is tied to. Um, It's fun. You know, you drive around the city and think of the the impact we have on people's lives. You know, the the number um, of homes. We did over 6,000 homes last year. Um, We'll do over 7,000 this year. Um, And each one of those homes we are visiting at least two times and sometimes up to four times during construction. Yeah, what is what does a typical visit entail? Yeah, so it, it depends, but um, generally we're looking for potential deficiencies. So we're we're hired by the builder um, to kind of act as a branch of their QC, if you will. Okay. Um, so we go in when the home is framed and rough ends are in place, so mechanical plumbing, things like that. Um, we're going and looking for blocking issues that might cause frozen pipes, you know, on cold floors, things of that nature. Um, we call those out. Hopefully they fi- fix them, address them. So the homeowners don't have to deal with that right. down the line. Um, we're also going back and looking at insulation and grading insulation once the insulation is put in place. Um, and then we go back again at the end, right before the home turns over and we have a fan that we set up in the house and we're checking duct leakage. So like your HVAC ducts mm-hmm. to make sure the air that you're heating or cooling is doing what it's supposed to and, you know, going throughout the home. Um, And also depressurizing the whole home and basically quantifying how much uncontrolled leakage there is. So there's a code, Indiana has a energy code that they adopted in, um, I believe it was uh, 2012. And um, so every home has to comply with that. They don't have to use us, obviously, but somebody needs to be verifying this thing. So a home is allowed um, up to five air changes per hour. And so we're basically verifying and then grading it and making sure that they're below that five air changes. Um, What percentage of homes that you go in that are your, I want to say written up, because that sounds like so negative, but how many of them are written up with issues that need to be addressed? A lot. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Look, the, and I'm sure like from the minor stuff to, but to like yeah. major issues. So, I mean, it's no secret the construction industry, especially coming out of COVID and stuff like that has just exploded. Mm-hmm. And that's been, that's good for our business, but it's also really, really trying. And I know it is for our clients. I know it is for, you know, the subs that we have relationships with HVAC contractors, things of that nature. We have, you know, a huge issue with skilled trades and just trades in general. Yeah. So you have a lot of new people in the market that don't don't know what they're doing potentially yeah. don't have a lot of oversight so no one goes out and is like i'm going to build this building incorrectly or right. poorly right but they either just don't have the training you know they they just don't know right so that's that's where our goal is to try to help catch that stuff while it go, goes on so it can be fixed and then we also try to you know 
have relationships with those subs and things and we're happy to train them so it makes everyone's job easier if they get it right the first time and we don't have to call it out and then it gets fixed on the back end sure I heard some stories, don't know to what extent they're true, because I'm sure they get embellished and changed the more they get, they're, they're shared. Um, but with a lot of the supply chain issues, mm-hmm. you know, if you had a, a building that has a 10-step you know, a, a or 20-step process, and, okay, step four calls for insulation. Mm-hmm. Um, insulation hasn't showed up. It's on back order or whatever. Yeah. They're trying to figure out, okay, well, can we, can we still go to steps five, six, and seven, and then come back to four? Yes. I, I'd heard there are a lot of people doing that. And in some cases, they're like, oh, well, wait a minute. You completed step seven, which means the walls drywalled, but, which means we can't go back to step four when insulation comes in. Maybe they won't notice that there's no insulation in the yeah, building. right. And then now here we are in, in December or January, and it's like, holy crap, this building is freezing. Right. Yeah, the, the sequencing was a big issue, continues to be a big issue, okay. honestly. Um and you're absolutely right. I think on the commercial side, they're they're obviously much more complicated and not as streamlined of a process. But the the biggest testament to that is production builders. I mean, they're a lot of them are well oiled machines, right? Yep. They put up homes incredibly quickly. They do it well. It's repeatable. Um, but you know, when you've got windows that are on national back order, you know, you'd have whole subdivisions that you know get to a certain point in the build process and they're all waiting on windows Mm. and you know the life the life cycle what used to you know maybe take five to six months you know from breaking ground to closing a home now takes nine ten eleven twelve months um so yeah it's that definitely did take place and continues you, to take place. I said, do you see that starting to ease somewhat now as the supply chain e- eases or in some, issue? yeah, some facets, you know, there, there were products that, um, insulation, like you said, was, was an issue windows, um, hardware. I mean, there were definitely different things that, um, that impacted it. It has gotten better. You know, it's just, it's just different things now. Yeah. Um, you know, lumbers back down in pricing, which is good, but, um, engineered products aren't. And so a lot of, a lot of the stuff that goes in the, some of the homes is engineered. And so that's still an issue. Um, but it, it has gotten better, but it's definitely, we're not out of the woods yeah, yet. I think the classic case was, okay, so today it's windows, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, a month ago it was windows. Then that finally helped ease and we all feel like we're good again. And then something else pops up that right. had been fine, and now it's not. Right. Um, I think uh, I can speak for ourselves. You know, some of that has eased, and I hopefully didn't just jinx it. <laughs> um, but it it still it, it still ebb and flows a little bit out there. Yeah. Um, so we're we're through, we're about through 2022 as or as this episode's released. We're through 2022. Um, gangbuster year for you mm-hmm. guys. I know, like yeah. a lot of us. Um, what do, especially you said you're heavily, heavy residential, mm-hmm. we already know some things are starting to, to change a little bit there. What is your crystal ball looking like for 23 to the extent that, that you can yeah. predict? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't found the crystal ball yet, but <laughs> I'm still looking. Um, it's a little too early to tell. We do have the luxury of being able to see um, new permits that are pulled. So that's part of our process is, you know, as builders go out and, you know, submit for permits and things. We're getting their blueprints to look over and kind of start the process. Um, it slowed dramatically. Um, the difference is it's really the way we track the data. 
it's a, it's kind of a snapshot in time and it's really hard to tell because a lot of the builders really front loaded the year. And so they pulled permits and things. So we, we had just huge numbers, you know, in the first part of the year and now it's kind of falling off a cliff, right. Where, you know, they, they're not sending stuff in. Um, I'm not panicking yet, but you know, it does make me think, um, you know, we're for sure going to be down next mm-hmm. year. Um, how much I don't know yet. I'll know, right. I'll have a better idea probably, um, end of Q1, you know, I'm budgeting to be down 20, potentially 30%. Okay. If you set aside interest rates, mm-hmm. which obviously are a big driver of the situation for sure. But if you try to put that to the side, is there still a shortage of homes? I think so. Um, I believe there is in certain price brackets for okay. sure. Um, and what people are, are looking for, you know, affordability. I mean, we're really lucky, right? We're, we're in Indiana, you know, we're a bit, um, there's still a lot of new business happening here. You know, there's companies moving headquarters here, you know, we have life sciences, things like that, that are somewhat recession proof, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, in, we've got technology and other things that help really kind of bolster, you know, our local market. Um, so I think we're going, I don't know, we're, we'll be fine. And I think it's just, it's just a matter of a matter of time and hopefully it's shallow and we can ride it out. Right. Um, going back to when you came into the, came into the business, you had only been out, you know, in the working world, if you will, Mm -hmm. for, three and a half, four years. But yeah. It ended up being right at five years. Five, yeah. Okay. So five years of experience, but you're still young. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Um, coming to the business, you've been here there, what, 12 years, I think you said now. Yeah. Almost. Um, yeah. a lot's happened, mm-hmm. right? You've, you've, um, been thrown into situations that weren't exactly planned. Right. Um, you've had to learn a lot on the fly, um, we've had, as well as the rest of our peer group that we're in, have had a lot of, uh, uh, I won't say influence, but assistance or, influence. or influence yeah. on, on what's going on. Um, what would you say to the 20-something Andrew McMullen today who suddenly finds himself in a similar situation um, and are trying to then suddenly lead a company mm-hmm. without a ton of experience and kind of having their oh shit moment. Yeah. Looking back on what, what, what would you say were things that like, man, if I, if I were in that situation again, hundred percent, here's why I do it again. And here's some things I did that maybe I wouldn't do again, or I would do differently. That's a tough question, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, some of it was, so, my, I mean, you know this, but so my dad passed away from cancer. So he was, he was fighting cancer. Um, actually when he offered me the job, um, which was why I made him insist that I wasn't the succession plan. Um, so a little was known, no one within our company knew no outsiders. There were very few people, um, that knew my dad was, um, had been diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer. Um, we had a lot of stuff going on with the business. He had things going on personally and he was just a very private and prideful guy. Um, so I think some of what I did was just, it's, you know, it's how I coped at the time. Once he did pass was, I just kind of threw myself into the business, but more than anything, um, 
you know, my dad and his and his partners at the time had built um, already a pretty incredible business and an incredible team. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact of the matter is, like, I couldn't have done it by myself. Um, yeah. I didn't do it by myself. And the I think the biggest learning for me was um, to be vulnerable and be willing to ask for help. Um, you know, we, we had some really good people and, you know, they had ideas and on how things could be better or improved. And, um, I listened, you know, I had the, uh, I had enough of the background knowledge and, you know, knew the, knew the players and knew the people. Um, I was invested in it, obviously. Um, you know, they, the, uh, you know, without going into the gory details, but considering the name of the, the podcast, I guess I can a little bit, um, you know, small business, like don't, don't think you're, you know, um, you're going to live forever. So have enough life insurance in place to, you know, pay stuff out. Um, you know, my mom was tied to it. So the way our, the buy sell was written at that point, you know, she had to get bought out. There wasn't enough life insurance to, um, pay it out. So if I wouldn't, have been willing or frankly able to step in, I don't know what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I carried that with me. And so there, there wasn't ever an opportunity that I let it fail, or at least I wouldn't not without a hell of a fight. Right. Um, so yeah, I would say that also, I mean, looking back, we've had multiple conversations, but um, you have enough, there are two things that stand out to me. Number one is you enough, um, I call it organic self-awareness, mm-hmm. um, just natural, um, knowing, okay, here's some things I'm good at mm-hmm. and here's things I know I'm not good at. I'm not going to tr- pretend to try to be good at them because nobody wins then. And you're just in a fortunate situation where you had enough people around you, a couple of mentors who were involved with the business and then of right. course our peer group that you could lean on and say, hey guys, I need help here. Yeah, for sure. Help me out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that, that natural Hoosier instinct, if you will, to, to, to lend a hand or help out where right. we could. Uh, the other thing that, and I've told you this before, um, pretty proud of the fact of being put in, a lot of people would fail in that situation. Um, pretty proud of the fact that, we, I mean, it's easier today, could look it back in hindsight, but the fact that you can sit here 12 years later, gotten through it, and not just gotten through it, but freaking excelled the company. I mean, the company is... I don't know how much bigger, you know, percentage wise today yeah. than it was 12 years ago, but it's considerable. Yeah. And you guys have gone through a whole rebranding process. You've right. expanded ser- various service offerings. So, um, I don't know without getting sappy. Yeah. Proud of what you've done, son. It, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it has been for sure a wild ride. Like, yeah, it's, uh, so when it was thermoscan, inspections so that's obviously where the tsi comes from so we tried to honor our heritage but that was a really i guess that's that is something i do again going back to your previous question but um you know one of the things that we did did do and i and i led um not long after taking over was we kind of turned to the inside and said you know what what makes us us Mm -hmm. and you know thermal scan inspections again that's what kind of the company was founded on that idea and belief. Um, but it really, really pigeonholed what, what people thought we did. And, you know, yeah. they basically just thought we were, you know, a group of people that use infrared cameras. Right. And that that's for us, that's just kind of a tool in our toolbox. 
um, jumping in pools and yeah, right, yeah, pools. <laughs> yeah. So, so we uh, the rebranding process was um, that was a whole team effort. So I got everyone involved. You know, we we um, built kind of a, a core group that helped in that process and interviewed everyone, and um, it was a lot of fun. And it was you know I really think it helped put a stamp on the business of kind of, this is the, this is the evolution. This is the next uh, generation, if you will, um, of the business. But again, like I couldn't have done it myself. Like, you know, I've got a group of, um, great people that I'm, you know, lucky to be surrounded by and they have a ton of grit and they stood by me. I mean, they, they could have, I was 28 years old when I took over the business. So, I mean, they, they could have turned tail and ran. I, I probably would have, you right. know, if I was in their shoes, right? So, <laughs> how many um, employees do you guys have today, roughly? Forty-one. Forty-one, and yeah. then how many of those forty-one were there twelve years ago? Um, so we. If you had to guess. Well, I mean, I could I could list them off by name, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we it it hasn't just been, I mean, we've had a lot of evolution. So the utility work that I got brought on to manage, right. um, that contract expired with little warning. And we had multiple offices and a whole lot of our team, um, yeah. devoted to that. So that, that was the biggest piece of our business when, um, when I had come back to work for the business and overnight it went away. Um, so fortunately we, you know, we had stayed, we were closely in contact. I'd heard through the grapevine of one of the guys I had a good relationship with that he had taken a new role at a new company. And I called him and I said, Hey, you don't have to tell me, but just know you've worked with my team for a long time. Um, you know, what we're capable of, um, if the rumors are true, you know, at least give them a chance to interview and, uh, long story short, they ended up hiring because they didn't want to use any subcontractors. Mm -hmm. So they ended up hiring all but one of my team that were that was tied to that okay. um, process. So we had staff in um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Ohio, Kentucky. You know, so we were about the size we are now then, and we had twenty some people tied to that. Okay. Um, so you lost half then, your workforce mm -hmm. just from that from that one exit. Yeah, well. and then we've rebuilt. So now we're basically the same size as we were then, except we don't do any utility work anymore. Right. So okay, how many states are you guys doing service work in now, roughly? So on the residential side, it's only Indiana. the greater Indianapolis okay. market. Um, on the commercial side of the business, um, we were nationwide. Um, that's incredibly difficult to do. Right. And, um, we've, we've actually really circled the wagons on that. And that's a big push, actually something, um, you know, I can share more of in tw next year, but, um, we're really trying to build in our own backyard. We, we know the works here. It's just, um, it's required in other States, um, where it's not required here. Some okay. of the work that we do. Um, so it's just, it was easier and it allowed us to really cut our teeth and, um, build our business. We do a lot of work with the army Corps of engineers yeah. and things like that at military bases all over the country. Um, but it's hard, you know, you, culture's a big thing. You know, I, I feel like everyone talks about it all the time, but you know, I look at, I wouldn't want to ask anyone to do something I'm not willing or able to do. And so the challenge of having, you know, young family, you know, kids in school, sporting events, that kind of stuff. Um, 
you know, it, it's hard to ship people out to Texas for a week at mm-hmm. a time, right, and only be home on the weekends. So we're we're really focusing on kind of just building Indianapolis and the donut states on the commercial side. Sure. So, so scaling back yeah. to actually grow yeah. further sounds weird. I can't yep. believe that came out of my mouth. Deeper, not wider. Yeah. Um, scaling back's not really in my my headspace, right. yeah. but, you know, that's my problem. <laughs> um so good on you for doing that, though. I'm, I'm anxious to see um, how that how that all plays out, mm-hmm. as well as some of the things that, that you're working on now for uh, for 2023. Um, any any advice you would give to any other young entrepreneurs out there um, who I wouldn't say are in over their heads, but but maybe f- have just said, "Screw it, I'm I'm doing it and going mm-hmm. in head you know feet first without maybe having the the, the prototypical experience oh, background, yeah. man. Um, I mean, you taught, you touched on it earlier, but like, it, it's like anything in life. Like if you want to get better at some, something, you know, try to find somebody that is and mm-hmm. just ask them questions, you know, spend time around them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of a proponent of, um, you know, it's in this day and age, there's a lot of stuff that is, um, outsourced or like fractured business models. Right. So like, you know, some of my accounting services are, are outsourced, you Mm -hmm. know, whether trying to own that a lot of other things, right. Everyone outsources it and that kind of stuff, but, um, don't be afraid of those, you know, vet them. Um, and they are partnerships and make sure, you know, when, when you do vet them, that it's somebody not only that you think can actually do the job, but that you feel like you can work well with because it's a very intimate relationship. You know, they're especially accounting, right? They're, they know your books, they, they see it, you know, you want to make sure that you trust them. Um, and yeah, but yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid. Peer group, you know, obviously that was, that was huge for me. Um, you know, that our group's been together 11 years, you know, basically that, that entire time. Um, and pretty much all of us have had a whole hell of a lot of, you know, life changing things happen during that time. And, you know, we were there for one another and, um, I like to think we're better off because of it. For sure. Uh, outsourcing, you mentioned, um, to me, I think there's kind of two ways of looking at it. One is of course it, it makes more sense to do so than, than, than have your own staff in, mm-hmm. in many cases, especially if you're a smaller business. Um, but if you have all these different outsourcers, if you will, um, it can be tough to manage, in, in, in my opinion. And so I think it goes back to what you said, it, having a really good partnership with the right fit yes. makes it a little bit easier to manage. Um, is there any one area where you would say, you know what, outsourcing just didn't make sense for us and, and it was more important to have that uh, to have that in-house with your own folks? Yeah. I mean, I can even share a cautionary tale on that um, standpoint. So... I, I said accounting, but we actually have a hybrid model where we don't, we don't have all of our accounting outsourced. So mm-hmm. we did. Um, so actually as my dad's health had deteriorated, um, you know, old school business mentality, super closed book, right. You know, very, very private. Um, so we had outsourced accounting that had shifted entirely to outsourced accounting. And, um, one of the, you know, first, I guess, like, gory things that I had to work, work through was, you know, basically finding, uh, how our accounting company was basically not doing what they were supposed to. And in essence, in some ways stealing. Um, so I had to unwind that took a, I mean, massive write off, um, that year. 
And so the model that I have now, um, there's some checks and balances, right? So like our accounts, both accounts receivable and accounts payable, you know, there are, there are aspects that are in-house, you know, that either I oversee or somebody from my team, um, oversees, um, and then we also have the piece that's outsourced. And so you kind of leverage like, so you don't need a, you know, you don't need a CPA on staff if you're a small business, like, like I right, am. Right. Um, Same. But, and having a CPA that's not on your payroll and is involved in several other businesses and you can tap for, mm. you know, their insider knowledge is hugely beneficial. Right. Um, and so do all the tax work. And yes. Yeah, exactly. None of us want to do. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that to me, um, you know, works well. Um, and we have that in a couple different areas, same with, you know, technology for us. We're a very, um, I mean, we we're a construction company, but we're pretty tech savvy. I mean, yeah. um, and we leverage technology. We spend a lot of money on technology. Um, and so we have a few folks internally that, you know, they don't necessarily have that background, but they understand it, especially for what we do and what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having them work with our outsource partners just is huge. And I feel like it helps us get our deliverables right and make sure we're getting what we pay for. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I appreciate you coming on and yeah. sharing the TSI story and your personal story it. on here. Yeah. You bet. Um, congrats again on all the success that you guys have had over the last 12 years. Thanks. I'm really proud to see what you've done and, and how you've gone about doing it. And of course, wish you continued success in the future. Appreciate I'm it. sure we'll, uh, be all here to all here to, to witness, uh, witness that progress. Appreciate it, man. Cool. And thank all you guys for checking out this episode of the Industrious Podcast. Again, from wherever you're listening on and wherever you get your podcast to viewing it right here on the SSA YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. If you are on the YouTube channel and you haven't hit that subscriber button or the little notification bell, please do so. We'd appreciate it. It'd be a great way to start off your new year. It's free, so why not? Um, in that instance, uh, or in that case, thank you again for joining us. And don't forget, be industrious.